Hey everybody, glad you're here today. As you probably already gathered from Nancy and Scott, we're closing out a month of talking about abundance, about financial freedom, um, talking about really the positive nature of the universe in terms of its potential for being in our lives. We're using this great book of Eric Butterworth called Spiritual Economics. And uh, we're going to end today kind of the way it ends, uh, covering one more spiritual principle. So far, we've covered a number of them. We started out talking about the, the law of attraction. We covered what mental equivalents were. Um, we talked about the, the giving nature of God and just the infinity that is God. We covered a, any number of other topics. And you know what? I think he kind of saved the best one for last in a way, or at least the one that's easiest to remember. And that is simply that the universe is circular and that for giving, there must be receiving and for receiving, there must be giving. It is a, a, a spiritual law. And if you think about it, it's almost like a mathematical law. Do you know what I mean? If you give something, it really isn't a gift unless someone's there to receive it. And it works the other way too. There isn't really a, a receipt unless someone is there in some way giving it. Now I know in modern society we, we break these up a little bit, right? It isn't always as easy as I'm presenting Stan with a gift and he reaches out and receives it, right? There are bank accounts and any number of intermediary places where my good might go for a short period of time and then Stan or someone like Stan would pick it up later. But nonetheless, if you think about it, for every gift for every receipt, um, there is the opposite flow of energy in the other direction. It's simply a, a mathematical certainty and a spiritual principle. Okay, so now you might ask, well, how is this interesting or useful to us? How, how can we use this spiritual law of giving and receiving? Um, and or what should be, we be aware of? You know, what's going on in our lives, why this might be important? And you know, the best place to start almost always is a joke. So here we go. A hurricane blew across the Caribbean. It didn't take long for the luxury yacht to be swamped by high waves, sinking without a trace. There were only two survivors, the boat's owner, Dr. Erskine, and its steward, Benny, who managed to swim to a closest yet deserted island. After several days on the island, the steward was frantic, quite sure that they would never be found again. Dr. Erskine, however, quite calm, just resting against a palm tree. How can you be so calm, said Benny? We're going to die on this lonely, God-forsaken island. We'll never be discovered here. Just sit down, listen to me just for a minute, Benny, began the confident Dr. Erskine. Last year, I gave $500,000 to the United Way. I also donated $250,000 to the art museum. Already this year, I've pledged to the opera company that I will help to pay for their new auditorium. So what, says Benny, how's that going to get us off this island? I'm just saying, smiled Dr. Erskine, somebody, somehow, will find us. <laughs> And you know what? It isn't any more complicated than that. Now, now I know, big story and big numbers involved, right? Wouldn't it be lovely to be that level of a philanthropist? Wouldn't it be sweet if we had the means by where those are the size of the gifts that we could give? But you know what? 
It's almost irregardless of the size of it. The cycle of giving and receiving is constant, and it's just as important and vital in our lives, no matter where we start in that. In fact, I want to talk for a minute just even about the balance of it. Has anyone met someone in their life where giving and receiving are out of whack? Let, let, me do, let, let, let me elaborate just a little bit. Have you known someone who gives to the point of such selflessness that you can never give anything to them? Have you, I think we've probably all met someone. They, have you noticed they'll even deflect uh, uh, compliments? You'll say, well, aren't you looking nice today? And they'll say, oh, you this? No. Right? They are so used to giving that even a compliment will be kind of put aside. Or if you try to take them out to lunch. I remember uh, my partner's uh, a father is a little bit this way. And, and I've noticed the last few times we've gone out in a group, it's like before I can even think about it, the check is paid. Right? He is so used to giving that, that I, I mean, before the check comes, somehow he's magic. In fact, I caught him one time. He like went back to the bathroom. Well, he wasn't going to the bathroom. He was intercepting the, the maitre d' to make sure he got the bill. Well, this is fine and good, except it's not fine and good. The trouble with it is when you shut down one of the avenues of giving and receiving, you're really shutting down your benefit of the whole stream of flow. Suddenly you will discover if all you are is a giver that your gifts are no longer received with such pleasure. You will notice that your ability to have those gifts do something and be meaningful in the world start becoming diminished. Why? Because you have found a bunch of people who are receivers, who will be really used to that giving, who find a way of kind of even blowing it off. Now on the opposite side, right, we've probably also known people that were constant receivers whose methodology in life was always, no, it's about me, I need to get, I need to get, I need to get, and they're always putting off or kind of ignoring the potentials of actually giving in the world. Equally troublesome, equally troublesome. And it isn't that there's anything intrinsically wrong with giving or receiving, right? Let's go back to the very beginning. It's a mathematical certainty that there needs and there must be an equal amount of it in the world. But when it gets lopsided in any one person, what you will discover is the giving and receiving no longer brings pleasure. You'll see that the giving and receiving has less meaning. You'll notice that the gifts that you receive tend to have more strings attached to them. And the gifts that you give tend to be more transactional in nature. Like I'll, I'll give this to you assuming that you name the auditorium after me. Back, back to our yacht example maybe. <laughs> So what I would like to suggest today, and in fact we'll get there in homework in a little bit, but one of the things I'd like to suggest is that we pay attention to have a good balance in each of our lives that covers giving and it covers receiving. We really can't afford to deflect those compliments. The gifts that are given graciously to us should be received graciously by us. Otherwise, what? We're stopping that flow. Otherwise, we're saying, nope, 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 nope. I know the universe is supposed to be giving and receiving, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to participate, right? I got to pay for that dinner or what? You know, whatever it is. And it's just like putting a throttle on a garden hose. 
It's like the giving and receiving are both in that hose. And you can't have it just go one way. And any attempt to throttle down one part of it, unfortunately, is going to throttle down the whole darn thing. And certainly the pleasure to be derived out of it, certainly the utility and the goodness to be received out about that sense of, uh, of gracious giving and receiving will be gone if you try to weed out or throttle down both ends of it. So look for balance in your life. The other thing, though, that I want to talk about are the, you might think of them the aspects of giving and receiving or the directions of the giving and receiving. Um, we talk about them in terms of kind of a little triad here. Uh, the gifts of time, talent, and treasure. That's how it's easy to remember. It's time, talent, and treasure. They're worth talking about separately, and I'll explain why. First of all, the gift of time is really love. When you give of your time to someone, really give it freely, I don't know how to say it any more clearly than you're saying, I love you. Do you know what kids want most at Christmas? It's, we're, you know, the stuff's in the stores already, and already the ministers on the list server talking about uh, Christmas themes and things like that. And one of them was passed over to me, a survey done of children last year about what they wanted for Christmas. Well, the top thing was some electronic gizmo. I won't lie to you. The top thing, I can't some kind of an iPod or pad or something like that. That was the top thing the kids wanted. Do you know what number two was, though? Time with their parents. Now think about this. Who else do they spend time with, right? We've got them. We've got them. They're with us 8, 10, 12, you know, depending on whether they're in school or not, right? Why do they want time with us? It's because when we're with them, we're not really with them. The need and the desire for children to have time with their parents is what I would call time that's graciously given, not stolen in between making dinner or, or uh, you know, a quick rundown of how the day went while you're driving them to, to, to football practice, right? The idea is you would actually sit down with a child and graciously, without thinking about what you had to do next, without thinking about what they had to do next, you would really sit with someone you love and graciously give your time, ready to listen as well as speak, ready to really come from a place of love and understanding. This is the biggest gift you can give on the planet. To be heard, to be really heard, to be given that gift of of consummate love in that way? Oh my gosh. And haven't we all been there? Haven't we been the receiver of that when we were having a bad day or when we were in a bad way and someone maybe didn't do anything more but just, you know, kind of stop the car and pull over and look at each other and actually talk for a minute? Oh, the gift of time is nothing shorter than love itself. When you can give it, give it freely. Give it intentionally. Probably an hour of very intentional sharing with your family a day is probably worth 10 hours of sitting in front of the TV with them or uh, you know, do, doing kind of the mindless interchanges that we... I, I mean, I'm not wanting to pull anybody down here, but a lot of what we say is just nothing. Do you know what I mean? And to make up with that with even 15 minutes of heartfelt listening and interest and interaction is worth it all. 
The second thing I want to talk about, the second kind of gift that we can both give and receive, is what we call talent. Each of us is unique. Each of us has a special gift on this planet that only we can give it the way we give it. Now, all of us have a lot of things in common. A lot of us uh, can show up in the same way for one another, and yet, each one of us is different. Each one of us has a different flavor. Each one of us has different talents, both natural and cultivated. Each one of us has talents that have been been trained and given from God. Each one of us uniquely shows up on this planet as no one else does. And when we authentically give that gift... Whether it's uh, you know your 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 prowess at coaching for a young person, whether it's uh, your ability to to phrase things in a certain way to someone who's in need, whether it's your uh, may, maybe your uh, college training and in, uh, in counseling or accountancy or what you know whatever it may be, when you give your unique gifts to the world, it's more than just your gift. Let me explain here, because when each of us freely give our gift. We stand on the shoulders of one another, and we can do something so very amazing on the planet. Now, if all we had was just our gifts, right? Let's, let's say for a minute, all I had, all I could use was my own gift. Well, there'd be a lot of animated talking going on. <laughs> and it's not that that would be a bad thing, right? <laughs> But how out of balance would the world be? Each of us in our unique position of doing something that no one else can do, that each of us has that that own spin, that own gift, that own different way of being in the world. When we fit them together, there is a wholeness, there is a greatness that is bigger than what any one person brings, right? And so when we bounce off of each other in that way of giving our gifts freely, of talent, of time, oh my gosh, that's how all the great creations on the planet that were done. They weren't done by individuals in the silo just doing what they knew had to do. Even the people that we credit for the, uh, I don't know, the inventions of penicillin and radium and things like that, it's like, well, they may have been the lead scientist on the team, but they were standing on the shoulders of the people who had their unique talents and their unique skills. And without each one of us, uh, I want to use another example. So a friend came to me not too long ago who views herself in kind of a dead-end job, a job where she feels that her skills, um, well, she used harsher words than this, but she feels her skills are underappreciated. Let's put it that way. And she sees it as kind of a dead-end job. And, and as she was explaining it to me, I understood her point and at the same time, by her not giving her 100%, even in that job that she doesn't particularly value, what is she doing? First of all, she's telling the universe a message that I don't have to particularly give my time and talent. Unless the circumstances are right, I'm going to hold back. I'm not going to give my 100%. I'm going to hold it in reserve. Can you imagine what that does to giving and receiving if we're going to hold into us all of our reserve? And then the other piece of it is when you do give your 100%, when you are fully present for whatever you're doing, it invites everyone else to participate like that. And then you get the standing on the shoulders effect. Everyone is working for something that is beautiful and wonderful. And even if their particular skills they might view a little bit different or a little bit outside, the invitation for everyone 
everyone to participate with full enthusiasm and, and what gifts they can bring is huge. And that's what creates the next job. That's what creates the next experience. That's how you get to a job that has a better fit is by showing up 100%. It's by fully participating. It's by sharing your gift and allowing yourself to use other people's gifts in a way that make an amazing marriage of talents and, and joy and life. The third thing I want to talk about is treasure. Now, last week we talked almost entirely about money as our treasure, and certainly that is true. Money is one of the sort of intermediary forms of our treasure. In fact, last week we talked about the definition that's used in this book. Money is God in action. And I remember last week a couple of you kind of big eyes, money is God in in action. You know, not really thinking about if God represents all potentiality of good, well, what is money? By itself, money isn't anything. It represents the potentiality of what you could buy with it, right? Just by itself, it gives very little pleasure or comfort or anything like that, but it represents that ability of paying a bill or buying a food or doing something fun. That's exactly what God is. God is that potentiality of all things. When we look at money, when we look at our good, when we look at at anything that we think of as our treasure, that's what is important to us. If we miserly hold on to it, there's the trouble, do you see? Suddenly I'm all about the receiving and the holding on to and the locking down and the the freeze-drying things as they are, when the reality we know is everything is in flux. There must be giving and receiving. And here is a very actually painful lesson. I know uh, a couple of years ago when we were doing Prosperity Week, this got a very unpopular response. So get ready. If you want to <laughs> give me a bad time later, I'm up for it. The idea is people often think that the last thing that they can give is what they're short of. So, as an example, let's say you've been feeling a little beat up around relationships, right? A couple of relationships didn't go so well, you're having trouble at work. Really, what you'd like more than anything else is a little love and understanding in your life. That is the the thing that you want most. That is the thing that seems in the shortest supply. What do you do? A lot of people stay home and be depressed about it. What you need to give in order to get is the same thing you're missing. If you want to be loved, regardless of how the universe is feeling right now, you got to get up, you got to go out, you got to be love. You got to show up at the checkout line in Safeway with a smile on your face and say, Hi, how was your day? you got to call some of those relatives that maybe gave you the stink eye last time you saw them and instead say, hi, I don't know why I haven't checked in with you in weeks and weeks and weeks, but you know what? (laughs) But you know what? I'm here for you. I love you. And when you begin putting out even that which seems like it's in the shortest supply possible in your life, It's as though the universe suddenly will start doing the happy dance. It's as though the universe will say, all right, I see. I see what's necessary here. It's about love. Here it is then. 
And the same is true for money. The same is true for any other time. I remember, uh, uh, it was probably about 12 years ago, I was very busy at the telephone company, had a large group of people and projects I was working on. And you know what? I was even missing church some because work was so heated up and time-filled. And I got a call, of all places, from an open meadow alternative school here in North Portland that wanted to know if I would volunteer and be a board member. Well, initially I was like, no way. I'm working days and nights, and there's not time for this. And it's a lovely thing. I would love to do that. But it's like, no way. Well, well, Carol Smith, who was the director at the time, she talked me into coming over for an interview. Her, her wiles were, once I see the children, you know, once I see their great program, of course they'll be on the board. Well, she was kind of right in a way. She showed me around the school. But you know what? I never did go on the board at that time. I started working there part-time in their office. And I had no idea how this was going to work into my life. But when I was there and I met some of the students and I saw how they were struggling to process test scores and some of the stuff, you know, some of the red tape around running a school, it just seemed like I needed to help out. Well, I was a little scared about reporting this to my division level, the, the fellow I reported to. Uh, you know, the telephone company at that time wasn't known for its great charitable uh, uh, kind of thing on the planet, you know. And so it was with some nervousness that I said, you know, I, I kind of like to schedule some, maybe some unpaid time off during business hours so I could be at the school. And he looked at me and he said, well, I think you should do that during work hours, but you should be paid for it. And he said, and you know what? You're talking about once a month, but don't they need more help than that? I think that we should be able to support you in this at least a couple times a month. And more than getting it paid for and more than having the time off that was paid, I want to tell you my outlook about being both at work and helping out at the school, it felt like I had all the time in the world. It was a complete shift of gears. Uh, you know, my, my treasure and my, my talent and my time was being used in a different way that felt fresh and invigorating. And my time back at work, it felt like they were really honoring and appreciating me in a way that I hadn't felt in a long time. It changed my life. And what was I doing? I was giving away the very thing that seemed like it was in the shortest supply. All right. On to homework. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. First off, I'd like you just to look at balance in your life. Are you primarily a giver? Are you primarily a receiver? Or is there a good balance? Again, this is not a trick question at all. I do not believe it is better to give than receive. It has to be an even equation, right? For the, for the universe to come out, right? There has to be both. So this isn't a, are you good or bad? I just want to have you take a look at your life and see if it's in balance. If you're right now in your life, you're doing more of the receiving, are there ways that you can balance that out? Are there ways that you can begin priming the pump by giving away some of your time, your talent, and your treasure to even that out a little bit? If, on the other hand, you discover, well, no, gosh, my, I'm a caregiver and I spend most of my time in the position of giving and giving, I would say, let's look at this as well. 
Can you put yourself in a position and in a frame of mind where you can start receiving more in your life? Can you open yourself up to receive other people's gifts? So that's the first part of your homework. The second part of your homework is back to the triad of time, talent, and treasure. Whatever you have least of right now, I'd like to see you start giving it away. And it's fine if you want to call me on the carpet later, but I'm sticking to my guns. What I know about each one of us is that if we want to get in balance, what seems like the contrary thing to do, and even if it's very small amounts of time, talent, and treasure, is to try your best to begin giving away that which seems the smallest for you right now. So if you're having trouble with money right now, this would be a great time to, uh, to, to work on giving a little money to a charity or, or upping your pledge card here or something like that. Just the, the smallest amount, what you're intentionally saying when you do that is, I'm opening that hose up. I'm letting go of whatever constraints I'm feeling and the flow both ways is going to start working for me. If it's time that you're, seems like you're most in lack of, consider volunteering somewhere. Considering giving back to, uh, to, to family or, or, or a business or, or something that shows your gift truly from the heart is there to support the universe so that you can be supported in the universe by a reciprocal flow of time. If it's your talent, same story. If you're, if you're feeling that you're poorly trained or, or not ready and that for whatever reason your talents are not what they should be, what I know is partially this is a lie. <laughs> All of us have amazing talents. And if you would start giving it away a little bit or a little bit more, you will see that the universe will then supply you with the colleagues and the people of other talent that will make a, a wholeness and a beauty in your lives. Gosh, that was the longest homework assignment ever. <laughs> Are we clear though? I th uh, <laughs> oh, it wasn't? Oh, someone's keeping track. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> so so two-part two homework. Where are you? Well, really, it's a one-part homework. It's about balance. Is your giving and your receiving balanced? And if you see a place in your life where you're out of balance, let's correct it by starting to give some more in an area where you feel slighted. I'm going to close today with the way this, uh, this material closes out of uh, spiritual economics. Uh, here's here's what, uh, what Eric Butterworth says. He says, when you discover the wonder of giving, you will wonder how you could have lived so long in any other way. It's the key that makes truth work. It opens the door to the good you have been seeking, and it gives life an added glow. When you become a committed giver and receiver, you can no more go back to the old way of living than you could go back to prehistoric times. Discover the wonders of giving and receiving. It is the better way, and the day will come when you insist that it is the only way. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one infinity of good and potentiality. That is God. Whether it's seen or unseen, that potential for limitless supply exists. It is the reality of God. It is the nature of all things. And what I know about myself is I'm right in the middle of it. 
that I am in the center of my own universe filled with God. And that as I open my heart, as I open my hands, as I open my mind to both give and to receive with equal passion and with equal freedom, the keys to the kingdom are mine. The joys of giving and receiving are opened up. My, my cup runneth over. My love is, is born on wings. And as it is true for me, I know it's true for each person in this room, each person here is the center of their own potentiality, that the entire universe of good is poised and ready for each person here. And as each person here today and tomorrow and the day after becomes more willing to to sense themselves in that flow of giving and receiving, to freely give and freely receive, to understand that their time, their talent, and their treasure is worth it, that they are worth it. So the universe will react demonstrating that worth. I'm simply grateful for this. I'm simply grateful for uh, this spiritual center. I'm grateful for the, the words of, uh, of Eric Betterworth and spiritual economics. I'm grateful for God showing up right in this room as these people, as these gifts, as these hands and these hearts. I just let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here. Thank you.